I'm Des. Hey y'all, I'm Sai. And we're the co-hosts of Let's Talk Sis Podcast, where we truly believe that together empowered women can transform their lives. Join us for heartfelt stories, enlightening conversations, and a whole lot of accountability along the way. Hey y'all, um, so we're back with another video. Hey, hey. And as you can see, we have our friend here with us today. Yes. Simos, go ahead, tell them a little bit tell about yourself. Well, you guys know me as Simos. Uh, I, I believe <laughs> the rest of the internet uh, knows me by a couple of different names, uh, Bluffer Boy or Approve I See, all depending on what you're coming to me for. Uh, then that's how you'll pretty much address me. But uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. This has been long uh, overdue. Yeah. Long overdue. <laughs> exactly. But hey, glad I'm here. So introduce yourself. Like, okay, Simos, approved by C, Bluffer Boy. Who are you? Why are you? Who am I is a, is a pretty uh, it's a pretty broad question. But ultimately, um, 24, about to be 25 years old. I was born in West Africa, Liberia to be exact. I moved over to um, the States when I was three years old. Um, where I was stationed at was in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So I don't really necessarily know a lot about my upbringing. So I kind of read both Philadelphia as well as Liberia, West Africa. But the African blood definitely does run heavily through my veins. So I'm always repping um, you know, West Africa and Pan-Africanism um, as a whole in general. But uh, I'm really an open book, to be honest. I do a lot of things right now that we're going to um, completely uncover. Um, I definitely look to uh, become more vulnerable when it comes to just sharing things with my audience and also just having, like, a general conversation, just, uh, you know, having you guys pick my brain and me also, uh, you know, discovering a couple of things about how you guys uh, think as well. You know, I want to add really quick. I've known you for a very long time, and I never knew you were born in Africa. You're lying. So you but always you was thought West that was... Philly, born and raised. Southwest Philly? Yeah, not Africa. Nah. I definitely didn't know that. So the reason behind that, I probably would say, and this is something I've been battling with um, for a long part of my life too as well, um, as far as just like having like a, um, a identity crisis, right? Whereas though I feel as though that when I was younger, I was bullied into believing that I wasn't African, right? Just because I felt as though that I was kind of in the middle. When I say in the middle, I'm more so referring to the fact that I was too African for the black American kids and I was too American for the African kids. So with that being said, I never necessarily made it known that I was uh, born in Africa because I used to get picked on. So a lot of times, um, and it wasn't until we glamorized uh, African people, it wasn't until people like myself, and I'm completely uh, you know, ashamed to say it, but I'm also very transparent to say that it wasn't really until, like I said, it got glamorized through the form of, uh, you know, music, for example, that was one stream, an outlet that definitely shined a light on just being, uh, allowing other individuals like myself to be a proud African. But yes, I was born in West Africa. I came here when I was three years old. Um, and I mean, I, I wasn't, I didn't come from the best family. I also didn't come from the worst family, honestly. Like, I think I had a pretty, um, below middle class upbringing. I didn't get everything that I wanted, but I definitely believe that I got everything that I needed for sure. Okay. And not to overpower, mm -hmm. but I heard you say you felt like you had an identity crisis a little bit. Yeah. Do you feel like you've overcome that or is that something you may currently still be battling? I think every five years as a human being, you definitely change as far as like your mind state, right? Um, as far as the identity crisis, the reason why I feel as though that I had an identity crisis was simply because um, 
one, I didn't really necessarily love myself, right? And I realized and I knew that I didn't love myself because when I looked inside the mirror, I wanted to fit a more Western European type of look, right? So I remember when I was younger, I had uh, my mom perm my hair. So why did she perm my hair? Because when I looked on television, right, which is one form of media, I started to realize that the people who I idolized didn't look like me, right? So with me perming my hair, I felt as though that straight hair was better than, you know, me being nappy and happy yeah. because I used to get picked on in school. So because I used to get picked on in school by a lot of kids who looked just like me, black and brown kids, but they were born here, and I believe they suffer from identity crisis too as well because a lot of the information that they teach in African-American history is whitewashed, right? And a lot of white people, they white out their sins and everything like that. That's why there's such a, a push and a movement and agenda for them to remove, uh, you know, slavery and the abolishment of everything that has to do with it within the, uh, the, the school district right now as a whole, especially in Florida. And I believe the governor was saying something about that. So, but um, most definitely, I, I talk a lot. Like I, I love talking okay. about the question, but yeah, for sure. So I definitely, just to bring everything back, I definitely think now with the help of my family and also social media and just me wanting to identify myself as an actual, you know, African, uh, you know, individual, I think now I'm definitely I'm starting to realize who I am, and that's just me being more self-aware, uh, self-aware and subconscious of uh, where I come from. I love that for you. Thank you. <laughs> so I kind of want to dive a little bit into your transition. I feel like I've known you for I don't know how long it's been, but a past few years. But within like the last what has been like two years or so since you've been here in Houston. Yeah, I want to say going on two years. Yeah, within the last two years, I feel like it has really been a pivotal um, transition for you in life. Um, not only as far as business, but definitely personal. Because I remember when I first moved here and you were deciding on moving here, we talked about the space that you was in and stuff like that. So do you mind sharing some insight about where you coming from prior to relocating to Houston or sure. what period of life that was, what period that was like for you in life? So um, prior to me moving to Houston, I used to live in Philadelphia, right? But prior to me even living in Philadelphia, I've been around a couple times. So I actually used to live in the DMV area, so Richmond, Virginia, uh, DC, Maryland, by the way of my sister and other family members as well. Um, and I also used to live in the Atlanta area, but when I was in the Atlanta area, I wasn't necessarily as comfortable. But just to uh, you know, cap everything off, I was coming from Philadelphia. Now, coming to Houston was one of the best decisions that I ever made inside my life, and I feel as though that your environment shapes your reality. So because I was in a, such a crime-invested city like Philadelphia, um, and I love Philadelphia, uh, my blood definitely um, you know, touches uh, Philadelphia because at the end of the day, even though I was born in West Africa, a lot of my upbringing, well, you know, 21 years of my upbringing, um, you know, came from Philadelphia. But uh, I realized that in order for me to grow, I needed to get uncomfortable. So one of the biggest decisions I had to make was moving away from people who I loved and people who essentially um, you know, wanted the best for me. However, they couldn't necessarily uh, give me the best narrative simply because they were still looking to uh, you know, figure out their own life themselves and uh, their own life um, you know, themselves as well. But um, I chose Houston as opposed to a lot of other different cities. Um, one, because Houston has a thriving um, has a thriving community of other entrepreneurs just like Atlanta does, right? So when I was in Atlanta, Atlanta was uh, very exciting. Um, it was very fast. Uh, it was, um, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a city of such where as though it was up and coming, just like how Houston is. I feel as though Houston has a lot of hidden, a lot of hidden uh, you know, fun activities, one. 
Um, it's just a hidden gem in general as a whole, to be honest, right? But um, I wanted to come out here and I wanted to definitely be uncomfortable. So one of the things I wanted to do was, instead of me living by myself, I wanted to get a roommate. So finding a roommate for me was actually pretty very, was very simple. The reason why it was simple for me was because I wasn't afraid to network. So with the space that I'm in, with me being inside the credit space, I was just, a sense, I didn't even like put out a, a post or anything like that on social media. I think it was very organic. I started to realize that, uh, you know, the, um, the world started to essentially gravitate more so towards my personal interests, and it started to bring other people who fell in alignment with whatever my agendas were. Um, and that's how I was able to meet some, uh, someone who's still a very good friend to me today. And we became roommates. So when we moved out here, uh, unfortunately, uh, the decision was made very quick. But I already had my mind made up that Houston was definitely going to be somewhere that I spent a lot of time at, simply because of all of the, uh, the great things that I've heard about it. And prior to me even visiting, uh, the city just essentially it just uh, stole my attention, to be honest. And I got a, a deep love and compassion for Houston. Outside of it being uh, such a bustling and uh, hustling type of city, um, it's great for entrepreneurialism. Um, the food is great. Uh, the women are beautiful. The weather is awesome. So I don't necessarily have like too many uh, bad things to say about Houston as of yet. I want to ask you, so when you came out here, mm -hmm. you said it was one of the best decisions you made because you got away from um, such a, your hometown, basically. Correct. What changed for you besides the location? In the environment, like beside you, all environment, location aside, what changed for you? I think it was the mindset. The mindset in regards to me not being dependent on going back home. So when I came out here, I realized that if I make this move, it's not like me moving from Philadelphia to New Jersey. It's not like me moving from Philadelphia to Delaware, right? I'm gonna be um, far, uh, I'm gonna be way more further away from home, mm -hmm. which um, it scared me um, in the beginning, to be honest. But I realized that it had to, uh, I, had, I had a paradigm shift in a way. Whereas though coming out here, it made me realize on top of the uncomfortability, I also needed to rebrand myself. Because a lot of the work and a lot of the things I, were, I was doing inside the city, it was really detrimental to the safety of myself. And it put me in a lot of crucial situations whereas though I wish I would have been smarter with uh, the decisions that I made. Right. Um, also, on top of that, my mindset shifting and also me having a paradigm shift. I will also say um, coming out here made me realize that I had to find something deeper within as far as like a mission. Right. So um, just going into it a little bit, I will say that a couple of times when I was by myself out here. Right. Um, outside of me, of course, having a roommate when I would just, uh, you know, uh, sit alone inside my apartment. I will always think that there's a reason why I'm here, right? And so with me having that type of mindset and vision, I wanted to essentially seek that greater um, awakening for myself. So it wasn't until just recently when I, figured what that, when I figured out what that was. So once I started to become a little bit more conscious of my, um, aware, of my awareness and also just being more perspicacious, um, it's one of my favorite words right now, it just means to be self-aware and cognizant of like what's going on around you, right? Um, I started to realize that you know, I have a lot of uh, I have a lot of powers within myself that I never uh, untapped before. But um, again, if I would have stayed inside a city like Philadelphia, and you know, this is no hatred towards Philadelphia because, like I said, at the end of the day, Philly also made and consumed me to be the person I am today. I would have never uh, seen the greatness that I had within myself because I would have tried. I was going to try to be like the other people around me and be conditioned to the environment that I was in. 
So I'm really trying to focus on essentially just working on my mind, body, spirit, and um, ultimately just uh, being the best leader that I can be, uh, not just for me, but for the people who are looking uh, looking at me too as well, which is the younger generation. Right. That's what I'll say. So you mentioned an awakening um, mm-hmm. that you encountered um, recently. So what inspired the awakening that you're kind of going through or transitioning through at this moment? I think I always felt this way, to be honest. It was just more so the fact that I knew that I was destined, I, I am destined to do something greater than the uh, original purpose that I, uh, that I thought that I first knew of, right? So I think what really transpired was more so after I had that paradigm shift and I realized that instead of me trying to just, uh, you know, because of the business that I'm in, I have to, well, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily say I have to be flashy or look a certain way, but some of the people who make the most money within my industry, they carry a certain persona. So ever since I was young, I realized that I don't want to be the person with money who doesn't have morals, dignity, ethics, uh, so on and so forth, mm-hmm. right? So with that being said, I think it, it was at the point where so I started to realize that 10, 20, 30 years from now, nobody's going to realize the car that I had. Nobody's going to realize the, uh, nobody's going to think about the apartment that I had, the clothes that I had, the jewelry that I bought, so on and so forth, right? People only care about how you make them feel. So, so- when I... So when I realized that people only care about how you make them feel, I started to switch the transition from me looking um, a certain type of way into me actually thinking and um, you know uh, becoming uh, more self-aware of how I can become a better person um, just by... When did you make the switch? I would say I made the switch literally going into New Year. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah. Um, I think that it, as a follower from mm-hmm. the outside looking in, um, not even just like as a friend, but it's definitely been obvious um, that you are being more intentional with what you feed yourself internally. Um, so I'm kind of excited to dive a little bit more into what brought you to this point. And I'm really excited to see, like, you know, how this goes for you and how it ends up for you. Well, I appreciate that. So um, I know that you just touched on something that I actually made a post about recently. And I basically told uh, everyone on my social media platform that I'm going on a cleanse. So everybody has a different type of cleanse. I'm going on a a specific cleanse in regards to uh, restraining myself from listening to anything that is toxic to my mind, right? So just as you can think and grow rich, I also think that you can think um, and go broke as well too, right? With the type of information that you consume because what entertains you trains you, right? what you uh what you tune into i mean what you uh tune into you turn into so with that being said with uh uh, african-american music excuse me with rap music um to the african-american community i feel like it's just pushing nothing but death and destruction right so it's always um you know fuck that bitch and uh kill that person it just sounds all the same to me yeah and i think you um mentioned something that mm -hmm. i think is very valuable in the beginning um when you were introducing yourself you talked about how there was a culture shift that took place at a very young age, and that's why you were influenced to essentially like change your hair texture, right? Mm-hmm. And you said that it started from watching television. Exactly so. And it, that's media, and I think that I'm glad that to see that people are officially catching on to how much control and power the media, that media has, whether it be social media, television, the radio, music, or whatever. There's all these different outlets, but it's definitely the sole reason of what influences our culture specifically as African-Americans or, you know, mm-hmm. people of color. So, um, yeah. We're, we're actually, we're actually um, 
slavery slavery wasn't technically abolished. They just figured out a different way for uh, for them to push slavery. So now it's a form of digital slavery, right? So a lot of us content creators, because that's what we are, right? We're content creators. We dedicate a whole lot of time and effort and energy and even resources and money into making digital content, mm. right? But um, what a lot of people don't realize and know is that this is also a form of slavery because it's a form of labor, right? So there are, there are a lot of people just like you and myself that make content and we post this content and this content co- contains a lot of data, information, and personal, um, you know, stuff like that too as well that we up, up, uh, upload to this platform, right? And essentially these platforms know more about us than we know about ourselves, right? So when you think about how, when you think about slavery, slavery, uh, during the time of slavery, right, you have a oppressor, uh, right, and you also, excuse me, you had an oppressor and you had somebody who was oppressed. So I feel as though the labor that we put into, um, you know, just making like uh, the content that we make today, none of us necessarily think that, uh, you know, it has some type of uh, leeway towards like uh, slavery, right? But um, going back into what I was saying, with artificial intelligence, that's going to essentially wipe out a lot of jobs. So I made a post today, uh, it's completely off topic, but I made a post today on my story basically saying that when my kids, uh, you know, are old enough to, you know, make the decision on whether or not they want to go to college or not, I'm going to more so be pushing for them to go to trade, to go to trade schools, yeah. right? Because once you have, um, you know, once you have the skills to pay the bills, then um, it doesn't necessarily matter whether or not you have a degree or not, because with AI, it's going to wipe out all the other jobs mm-hmm. um, out there too as well. I agree with that a thousand percent, especially the trade school idea. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. You said you posted about that? Yeah, I just made a post about that recently. Yeah, because... AI is completely taking over, and although before AI was a thing, I went to college, so I'm able to say, um, I don't think college prepares you to be financially successful in any way, shape, or form. Um, Honestly, sometimes, and you know, each his own, but I think a lot of the times it's really set up to push you a little bit further behind. And today, today's time is just getting worse because people can't even get jobs with degrees right and they don't offer trades in your regular university so they used to though um in the 1970s that's when they got rid of it right and then afterwards in the 1980s that's when the uh, the crack epidemic uh came about um the reason why they stopped doing so was because they started to realize that um, at the end of the day, 70 to 80 percent of African American people mm-hmm. earn their living off of labor jobs. So, in order for them to get African American people off of those labor jobs, whether it was like HVAC, plumbing, electrician, so on and so forth, what they had to do was they had to take it out of the school system. Mm-hmm. Actually, way before then, um, high schools didn't even necessarily exist. The reason why they um, implemented the whole high school, uh, you know, agenda was more so because there were a lot of black boys that were used to stand on the corner after gradu- after graduating um, elementary school. So they realized, hmm, okay, in order for us to get them off of the streets, mm-hmm. right, what we're going to do is um, we're going to create another curriculum. So that's when they created the high school. So with the high school, because you really don't need a, uh, you really don't need high school. All you need is a fourth grade education for you to really make it. Correct. Because none of us still, none of us has ever used Y equals MX plus B in any of the fields that we do. Now, granted, it all depends on the type of job and industry that you work in, but a lot of stuff that they teach, it isn't necessarily um, counterproductive to the type of jobs and, uh, you know, the workforces. Mm-hmm. that we enter today. So yeah. it's completely useless if you ask me in today's time. So our parents, I think, prepared us for a world that doesn't necessarily exist. Exactly. Yeah, that's how I feel. 
Um, so I have a question. I kind of want to shift the tone a little bit. I feel mm-hmm. like it's very informative and very serious. Like I want to <laughs> loosen up and loosen I want it. Yeah, I was gonna say let's really get in. Let's really get into it. Um, so just going back to you said so much in such a short period of time. Um, you made a valid point about you transitioning and your new approach and you realizing how powerful the content that you create is, right, and your influence behind it. Um, do you think that it is a sacrifice going into this new film journey that you're on that you'll have to make as far as content um, making and content marketing and things of that nature? Yeah, because it's going to be young black and brown boys and girls that look just like me that's looking at my content and just necessarily like thinking like, okay, well, again, like I said, um, they're going to look up to me just because of how I dress, how I look, and the things that I have. So I don't want to necessarily manipulate them in the wrong way. That's how I feel. So the content that I make now, like you said, I'm making it more intentional as opposed to just putting anything out there just to go viral. So there are a lot of people who do that, and they don't necessarily realize that there's you know, other people, well, there are younger people, let me say, that are looking at them, and they're looking up to them. So um, it's not that I'm more so changing how I'm making the content, but it's more so I'm actually redirecting my thought process and realizing who is watching the content, if mm. that makes sense. So would you say before before this shift for you, were you more so just selling the lifestyle? I think I was definitely more so just selling the lifestyle because I think that's what, what pushed. So um, a lot of the stuff that, I, that I've done, mm-hmm. and I will say I'm definitely a victim to it, so before I point the finger at anybody else, I'm going to point that shit at myself. I feel, I feel as though that uh, way before, I was just looking to, to go viral any way, shape, and form that I could. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's more so like I don't really give a fuck about going viral, to be honest. Um, if I go viral, I want it to be off of something that's going to be more so beneficial to, like, my community, if that makes sense. Yeah, right? that makes a lot of sense. So, that's what really I feel that, for sure. Um, all right, so this might be left field, but what's, what's your love life like? <laughs> Wait, well, I'm sorry. Before we completely change the conversation, can I ask one more question? Sure. So would you consider yourself an influencer? I would definitely consider myself an influencer because I've gotten uh, – direct deposits from mm-hmm. Meta. Uh, so yeah, I can definitely sound an influencer, for sure. Okay. And you had a question. Yeah, what's, what's your love life like? My love life, uh, I definitely have uh, somebody that I'm entertaining that uh, has been entertaining me for a very long time too as well. But I'm also um, very selfish with my time mm-hmm. at the end of the day, so I didn't want to necessarily um, you know, com- fully commit uh, just yet to a full-blown relationship. But um, I can definitely say that I am. I, ha- I have been dating someone for a very long time. So I have a question. You said you've been entertaining this person for a long time, and they've been entertaining you. Right. But at the same at the same sentence, you said you're selfish with your time. So is that the reason why you say that you haven't fully committed? Because that, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, I was going to let you finish, but that's definitely the reason why I would say, how can I essentially love you to the fullest capacity mm-hmm. if I can't necessarily give you my time? Because time is one of the most important things in a relationship, in any relationship, mm-hmm. whether it's with your mother, your father, um, your coach, um, your partner, so on and so forth. Because when you give someone your time, you're giving them a portion of your life that you'll never be able to get back again. Right. So now what I tell her, right, and what I have told her in the past is don't commit to me. Mm-hmm. Commit to evolving and I'll meet you there. So with that being said, I feel as though that it would be very selfish of me to say, hey, I love and I want you and I cherish you. However, 
right? I cannot do X, Y, and Z and commit myself to you fully simply because I'm still young and uh, my So do you feel like, there. so <laughs> do you feel like, do you feel like you arrived to a point of saying like a relationship is a distraction? Um, a relationship with the wrong person is a distraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel as though the, the, um, the downfall of a man can be a woman just as the uprise to a man can be a woman. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily pin it on a relationship. I would more so put it um, to pin it to a person. Because at the end of the day, if we're talking about how that relationship that you just mentioned mm-hmm. has to do with uh, my uh, socioeconomical, um, you know, uh, gains when it comes to just business in general, mm-hmm. every single dollar that you ever made came from a relationship. It may not have been a romantic relationship, like yeah. but you can literally get rich off of networking with the right people. So with that being said, I wouldn't really blame a relationship of any sort. So why can't you give her your time? Mm-hmm. I do give her my I do give her my time. It's just more so I feel as though I don't give her all of my time or as much time as needed. But at the same time too as well, why would you as a female, um, whether you're young or old, want to be with a man that you can hundred you can be with hundred percent of the time? You see what I'm saying? So um, so okay. So when you're in a relationship, mm-hmm. that's what happens. You still have your individual life. You do and she does as well so are you saying just because you feel like i can't give you a thousand percent of my time i can't commit to you because if that's the case where are you headed do you not plan on getting in the relationship anytime like what is, is it like i make the money now and then i'm gonna pursue the relationship exactly. or yeah that's exactly what it is i feel as though while you're in your 20s the best thing for you to do is definitely more so focus on either your career or for you to focus on um uh you know just being at a point where as though you can especially as a man that's number one i definitely feel like it's different for a female as opposed to a man so essentially what i'm saying is that if i put the relationship before my business right mm-hmm. first of all one thing that i already know for a fact right i can lose money chasing women but i'll never lose women chasing money right so if i'm not able to provide for both me and her if i'm not in a position to do so the relationship most likely is going to crumble and i'm not going to blame her for that so basically just to wrap it up i feel as though that society basically forces men to prioritize uh, their finances over a relationship I wanted to ask you, um, so are you looking to get into a relationship soon? Like, are you looking to make this person your person? Uh, Is that the goal or what's the goal? That's definitely the goal. I feel as though that's going to be the best thing for me to get in a relationship um, at some point, to be honest, just because um, me by myself, I know that I won't be able to be as strong as opposed to me having somebody who essentially can be my confidant and uh, just stand by me and make sure that I safeguard a lot of the uh, you know, situations that I put myself in and through, especially when it comes to just managing and handling my business and personal life too as well, so yeah. So, all right, here I am again, just trying to change the tone of the conversation. Uh-huh. Um, so you said that you aren't exclusively with someone, but there is someone in the picture, right? Uh, yeah, exactly so. I mean, I, I think they coincide with one another. So are y'all exclusive, or is there just someone generally in the picture? Like, are you dating, just having a good time, trying to figure out, you know, what your intentions are, or are you exclusively? I think Dr. Umar put it in the best form and fashion. We have a pleasure contract, uh, essentially. So we're not exclusively in a relationship simply because I didn't make it known that I wanted to be boyfriend-girlfriend just yet. But, um, you know, we have sex, uh, you know, casually. Um, we take trips, we do relationship things, um, but it is conditional. So that's the reason why it's a pleasure contract in regards to I, under certain circumstances, 
right? And even with myself, I will not be in this relationship if uh, I am not financially where I want to be. So it is definitely conditional. So if you, I'm just trying to figure out, so like if you go sleep with somebody else tonight, is that considered cheating? Um, I believe that cheating is doing anything that you wouldn't do if your partner wasn't around, so yeah. So that's your partner, okay. We got transparency on the mic. So I wanna ask real quick again, cause you keep saying if you're not where you wanna be financially, do you feel like you have a cap? Like is it a goal that you feel like, okay, if I get here, yeah, definitely. I want to have like f- five to ten million. Nothing more, just because I feel like the more money you get, the more your uh, the more your um, experiences start to change. So sex at a hundred thousand doesn't feel the same as sex at ten million, right? So oh. I don't want to be one of those like perverted, like uh, you know, people with so much money to the point where it's always like, damn, like I'm not even comfortable having sex with one woman. Now I need two. Now I need three. Now you know you got situations like you know P Diddy and all of them. They got so much money to the point where these fantasies start to they start to get aroused by a lot of different yeah. things. So I'm not trying to be in that booth. Do you feel like so you feel like now you could just be cool with having sex with one person? Because you said you don't want to get to that point where you feel like now I gotta have two, now I gotta have three. So right now you're fine with just being with one person? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So do you think that I know you um, made a reference to P. Diddy And I'm actually curious Because I feel like a lot of these type of conversations Always go back to like core value characteristics And things like that So do you think that um, men in similar situations um, As P. Diddy Do you think they're they're unrealistic Well not unrealistic But their fantasies are pertaining to their financial status Or do you think it's pertaining to I 100% think that their fantasies uh, uh, have some type of correlation, excuse me, with how much, um, you know, fi- how much of a financial status, uh, you know, that they have, right? So, like I was saying, because he's a billionaire, sex and the sex, pleasure, arousement, so on and so forth, is at a completely different, like, state and level for him. So, with that being said, that's the reason why I don't want to have or overconsume so much money. Mm, that makes sense. So basically, you're saying if you get $5 million, right, and you're having sex or whatever, your fantasies do shift. So do you think that that is a feasible reason for him having, like, interest in men? Mm. <laughs> I want to really quick well, piggyback off that question that. as well and add to her okay. question. And I want to also ask, do you think it's about the money Specifically, because that's a what lot I was of asking. times, is it about the yeah, money or integrity? Because a lot of times, it's more so that he's been doing the same thing for so long. That's that's what I'm saying too, it right? Just got bored. So I think the I think the money and the time definitely play uh, coincide with one another. But also, what I'm trying to add to it is the lifestyle too, as well. Yeah. When you mm, think about it, he right? might get tired of yeah, just sleeping exactly. with one girl. Got you. So. Um, now, I just made a number of five to ten million. I don't yeah. know what that is. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is I definitely want to hit that millionaire status. Yeah. Whereas I feel as though when I hit a million, then um, I'll be well over, like, my financial needs to the point where it's though because of inflation and everything. Think about it. Yeah. 100000 ain't worth 100000 anymore. Right? So at a million, I'll be well over, uh, you know. Where are you trying to be for yourself, exactly. right? So I could provide for me, myself, family, generation to come. Right. Generation of wealth is the overall goal for me. To be honest. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think um, as we grow, or at least attempt to 
gain or or grow our finances the our experiences within the perimeter of life change for sure um solely but i still don't think that that's excusable to be playing in another man's butt but you know <laughs> that's neither here but nor there i also seen a video recently and a guy was i guess kind of a similar he was an athlete and he was speaking about how during his entire career coming up he felt like he was having sex with so many different women it became the same thing and he said he had all types of sex did all types of things with all these different women but over time it got boring because still yeah different women feel that's all insane type of stuff. but a woman is a woman and he said it was the same thing he felt like he had sex with so many different so you women, go try somebody so else so many different times and so many different ways so this is was his announcement on the internet he said his solution was he stopped having sex for like a year or two years something like that because he was like he was noticing himself getting bored with women he was like and it was starting to scare him how bored he was getting or how mm. over he was getting. He was saying so typically that's why he think men and he was saying basically he understand why men go to other routes with trans transgenders and, you know, the other other areas. He was like because just having sex with women was getting boring for him. Well I think that's something personally to be honest. I don't think that's he speaks for all or most Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah, because that's not the case. But now, what we should talk about mm -hmm. is why a lot of men are comfortable getting their ass eat and going down there. Let's, let's talk about it yeah. real quick. Yeah, let's check. So, I feel like any man who uh, is comfortable getting their ass eat has definitely been, um, what's the, what, what do you call it? Uh, fondled, fondled oh. it. As they call it, right? Fondled, okay. Fondled gotcha. it. Okay. Yeah, that's completely inappropriate. One, uh, why? First of all, how does that even take place? Hold right? on, can we clear up something real fast? Uh -huh. The issue we're talking about labeled straight men getting their ass eat. Exactly. We're not, you know. How do you consider yourself a straight? Up. Yeah, how do you yeah. consider yourself a straight man? You're getting your ass eat. First of all, the first thing that comes to my head psychologically is the position. The position, <laughs> right? So the only one of two ways I can think that that is gonna happen. Yeah. So first of all, at no point face down, ass up, basically. Yeah. So, another way you're doing it. Because if you're lifting your legs up, That's right, still wild. you have no control at that point. One. So now she's dominating you. Right? Either way, she's dominating. But that's what I'm saying though, but yeah. like why why is that why would you even get to that point to be honest? And then the other way is like you're turning around doggy style? Right? Yeah, I, I don't see know. I have a friend and um Somebody gotta explain that to me, but I didn't yeah. see it. Just to keep things surface level, she is into pegging her men, and, like, that's their thing. And, you know, I'm not really one to judge people sexually because I just feel like sexually I haven't really explored as much as I personally would have liked. But if that's what floats you about, you know, to all means. But there's no way, as a woman, I already possess a lot of, like, masculine energy, right? But there's no way, shape, or form that this man who God has given the resp responsibility of head headship to, right, um, I could turn be like, turn around right now. Not oh, only call me daddy. That, like, what do I, what do I say? Women, women don't be like a little hesitant because now you doing this to this man with this what I'm gonna assume a toy, and he's okay with it. He's enjoying it. You don't think he gonna want to test out the real thing? My whole take on that. Or probably have before. I feel like we got to look at it from a whole, from a deeper subconscious level too as well, right? Like how I see it is, most people who are sexually promiscuous, it always reverts back to some type of perversion Sex as a child. Yeah. yeah. Right? So a lot of those men or even, you know, girls, 
they've been, uh, you know, uh, essentially, like, touched by, like, a family member, mm-hmm. uh, for example. Like, when I think about, like, uh, a lot of men who, a lot of African-American men in particular, um, for example, who are, uh, make, who have made a decision to become, like, a homosexual because that was another thing that we had a conversation about. Mm-hmm. I feel as though that homosexuality um, isn't necessarily uh, something that can be inherited, right, through genetics. Mm-hmm. That's a habit. That's a choice. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? And typically when that happens, um, in my uh, professional opinion, right, psychologically based off of the research that I've conducted and also what I heard mm-hmm. from, uh, you know, research psychologists, it's simply because, one, one of the reasons is um, because they didn't grow up with a strong, profound man inside their life. So I have a friend who I grew up with. He grew up around all women, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't have no uh, father figure, right? No grandfather, you know, nothing like that. So when you're in a house with just nothing but women, right? You gotta realize that kids mimic what they yeah. what they see and repeat what they hear, mm-hmm. right? So with that being said, that was the first thing. Secondly, you may have had a uh, you know an older man essentially uh, you know take his manhood from him at a young age. Mm-hmm. So at that point, again, he be- starts to become uh, sexually promiscuous, right? So even as a young woman. Even how we see a lot of young women today, from the shit that they wear to, mm-hmm. um, you know, the uh, lyricism inside the verses that a lot of the rappers start to display, so on and so forth, it's not really necessarily uh, productive to the type of society that we're trying to, uh, you know, move, move towards. towards yeah. as far as yeah. progression. I definitely agree. I want to um, talk a little bit about something that you said. Um, Okay, so I'm very, like, in tune with the girls, you know, especially from our community, from having friendships outside of the community. Sisterhood has always been just a key component to, like, my life and my development as a woman. Um, And a lot of times we talk about, like, sexual abuse and stuff like that, right? And obviously this is, like, taboo. People, this is one of those frowned upon topics. A lot of the time we get swept under the rug and Mm -hmm. things of that nature. But, like, as a man... um, what it what is this what is it like not for you personally because i'm not sure if this is something that you you have experienced but like do are you familiar is this a present issue or trauma that men black men specifically are experiencing in their childhood as far as being sexually abused um or do y'all not have conversations like that i think a lot of black men in particular definitely um you know, probably went through something like that. It may not even be from a uh, homosexual point of view. But yeah, no, absolutely. Even like a woman, like, yeah. you know, touching a, mm-hmm. a young boy, you know, at a um, adolescent age, yeah. right? But I also feel as though that a lot of men don't necessarily have a voice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so who can they run to to have these uncomfortable conversations? Um, especially when a lot of young black boys were raised by who? Their single black mothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I always point the finger and I ask, if a lot of um, black women today are saying that black men ain't shit, right? And uh, they don't necessarily want to be in a relationship with a black man, so they're stepping outside of that ethnic group. You have to point the finger back at yourself and realize that most of the black men today, right, in mm, general, were raised by single African-American yeah. mothers, yeah. right? So with that being said, a lot of us are also have also been emasculated, right? To the point where it's always like, um, for example, I had a conversation with the girl that I'm dealing with, and I tell her all the time that uh, you know, if we're walking down the street, for example, right, let's just say walk past a group of guys, and a group of guys says something, uh, you know, very, like, uh, disrespectful to you, right. you know, prerogative, mm-hmm. right? Um, depending on the type of female that you're with, a lot of females, right, will um, essentially require or assume that I would, you know, go out of my way to put myself in some sort of danger, mm-hmm. right, to protect her verbally, 
but sticks and stones may break your bones, but words should never hurt you, right? And depending on the type of female that she is, she may look at it as he's a coward, right? He doesn't, you know, he's not somebody that's gonna, you know, stand up and defend me, so on and so forth. But as a man, we have to realize that men and women don't view violence the same. Uh, you and her can fight right now, and nine out of ten times, it may and will not result in death or any real physical harm. When two men fight, right, two men can literally fight to the death. And I'm not saying that to say that, you know, it's not necessarily the same for, for all cases, but we have to look at things, uh, you know, men look at things more so from yeah. an analytical standpoint, while women look at things more so from a, you know, emotional Emotion. standpoint. Yeah, and I right? feel like that's an instinct as well. And I'm speaking yeah. from, like, you know, having brothers around and, like, uncles and stuff like that. So I think men really take um, the gift that God has given them as far as, like, protecting and providing to heart, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's we can kind of make the correlation as women for a mom or, you know, someone who is in their nurturing element. So that's mm-hmm. something that we take to heart. Like, even though I'm not a mom and I haven't had children yet, I am a God mom, and I just know how I feel about them, even though I didn't birth them. So I can completely right. understand um, in that nature, for sure. But at what, what, at what level should a man take? to protect you if it means that he has to essentially safeguard his own security and then uh, put himself in danger to a point where, so let's just say, he was to overreact, mm-hmm. right? And he protected you, and let's just say he pulls out a gun or he gets into a fist fight, whatever the case may be, and then he goes to jail. Then yeah. you gotta think, okay, boom. You know, this affected so much exactly. more than just this yeah. moment, yeah. Level, so. And I think it, yeah, I was gonna say, and I think it really just comes down to like the type of guy that you're dating or, you know, what the situation is because I've dated men who aren't, level-headed who will overreact and I'm the one who's like it's not that serious you know like it's not that deep it doesn't require that much energy but then I can't say that I've dated a man who would just be passive like let be passive in the sense of just letting the moment pass but I think that the amount of aggression that is used in a situation kind of shows how much authority that you have as a man because you don't have to rebuttal in a negative way or feel like I think it's ego it comes from ego yeah Ultimately, a man feels disrespected or his his ego is bruised if somebody is hollering at his girl. But then there's another type of man who will take it as a compliment. Like, oh, thanks, bro. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I think it really just comes down to that. So I actually have a question for you, Sai. As a, a female, as a woman, and you're out with your man and guys are giving disrespectful catcalls and your man walks and, like, ignores it, completely ignores it, try not to say nothing, come on, like, don't worry about it, but they're continuing to be disrespectful and make catcalls, but your man is not responding at all. How do you react to that? What's disrespectful catcalls? Because I'm from Philly, so I'm used to the year. No, when I'm saying disrespectful, like, you know, Damn, calling you out your name oh, and stuff like that. And I'm but, asking this question because I'm, I'm, referencing, I'm referencing it to a movie. Um... The movie, it don't matter, but this happened, and the guys was like, they tried to come at her, and when she basically kept walking, ignored them, it's the, oh, bitch, and like, disrespectful stuff. Start disrespecting you once they don't get, I guess, attention or the reaction that they wanted in the first place. Personally, and your man is not defending you. What do you do? You keep walking like it's not happening? Um, personally, I don't think I'm mature enough. So if I was put in a situation where I did, I was walking down the street with my man or whatever the case may be, and a group of men said, like, damn beautiful or whatever the case may be, I would expect my man to say, like, you know, thank you, like, or mm-hmm. I know, like, or that's mine or whatever the case may be, if said anything at all, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if it's, like, they get turned down or I'm completely ignoring them and their ego is hurt and that's forcing them to be rude or mm-hmm. disrespectful, at that point, I would, I personally would like for my man to speak up. 
Yeah, because I'm asking if he doesn't. Like, what do you do in that case? I wouldn't be in a situation like that. But I'm asking that question because C basically just said he felt like the higher role as a man would be to walk away and not say nothing or not But that's logical. And I think that in a situation where you feel disrespected, it takes a very mature... That's why I started this off by speaking about, speaking on maturity. But I think mm-hmm. that um, in a situation where disrespect is present, it takes a very level-headed and mature, logical person to process that side of emotions first before you know, feeling however, whatever emotion they feel in that moment. Right. So me, I started this off by saying, I'm not that emotional. However, if I was with a man, I would prefer for him to take acknowledgement in a sense. But then also, if it does turn to a point of being disrespect, then I would like to feel defended for it because it is going to, like, if that was, like, let me answer your question from a hypothetical stance. If that was to transpire, I would look at him differently. See, what you just said is the exact reason why I believe that it takes two parents in a household to raise a child. Your reaction right there was completely feminine. There's nothing wrong with that, but I believe that it was completely feminine. The reason why I believe that it was completely feminine is because when you think about, again, how a lot of, especially black boys, were raised or were raised by their mothers. Guess what? Whenever your mother gets mad, she did what? She beat you, right? Why? Because, again, biologically speaking, that was her reaction. So a lot of women um, react right uh, they're reactive men are supposed to be proactive so again if the, if me as a man in a situation like that right and again if it's one person who's saying something as opposed to a group of people listen i can't beat up a group of people right now as you said you know to your um defense right if it was one person or even if it was a group if it was something like, she's good so on and so forth mm-hmm. that is understood now if again if it's just strictly uh you know verbal disrespect and there is no type of physical like altercation or anything like that taking place i don't feel as though a man should put himself in a position where as though he gets vulnerable to the point where as though he's emasculated based off of your own opinions because he believes that he's not man enough he's not a man if he doesn't react is the exact and i feel as though that if a man was to react in a situation like that that could be the very reason as to why he is he no longer has his freedom yeah i definitely agree i'm not you know challenging your perspective at Mm -hmm. all i think that as a man that is what you're supposed to say um being as though you're a more logical creature than you know than it coming from a female's perspective but i still stand beside what i say but i don't think that you're wrong at all destiny how would you feel i'm interested to hear your perspective i would feel like you can't protect me I don't feel like my, my like you're, why are you not? I understand what you said. Like I said, it's very logical, but emotionally and mentally, like I don't know. Just as a female, I would feel like you can't protect me because the way my mind works, which is I overthink and analyze every single thing. It's like you can't protect me in an instance like this. I can't really trust you to protect me in any other given situation. So then let me ask you a follow-up question. So put yourself in that situation, right? Mm-hmm. You and your guy, you're walking down the street. Like she says, it starts with an initial catcalling. Catcalling doesn't work for whatever reason. Let's just say you guys are, you know, prolonged at that exact location. Now it starts to get more disrespectful, so on and so forth. Like, what is your exact, um, uh, what are you essentially looking for your dude to do in a situation like that exactly, right? Like, as far as, like, you know, what type of, uh, you know, reinforcement should be taking place, in your opinion? Are the roles reversed? 
Hmm? Are the roles reversed? No, no, no. Oh, the same situation. Yeah, same situation. I'm just asking her, what is her expectation? You from need to a defend man? me. You need to say something. That's what I'm saying. But is it a physical defense or just no, verbal? just verbal. No, verbal. Oh, because I said that. That's why I was trying to. I was trying yeah, to figure no, out no, no, verbal. So you're saying if he doesn't say anything at all, then it's a problem. Exactly. But, okay, but it's just acknowledging. Like if you start tugging good. my arm yeah, and if say, you start pulling me like, come on, baby, gotta come go. On, like you're yeah. scared. But again, what can one person do with a group of men? At the end of the day, and I'm not, it out. I'm not defending. It's two of us. I'm just trying to figure out what the psychology is around. It's right. Listen, that's, that's what men are here that's for. That's why your man gotta have that thing. That's you talking about a gun before mm-hmm. we even talk yeah, talk about a gun. It's two of us for one. For mm-hmm. two, it's no. That's like my man getting into a fight and getting beat up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look at him different. I don't think yeah. I'm mature enough to still date a man <laughs> after he get beat up. I'm being honest. Now, I'm only laughing because I had a situation like that when I was um, younger, and I was in a relationship where uh, this is the funniest thing ever, right? Uh, my girlfriend at the time, I had like I had a boosie feed, right? My cut was sharp. I remember, I remember those days when you had a boosie feed. Exactly. So me and her was walking down the street to get some water ice, right? Now, this isn't a situation with a group of guys. This is just a bunch of uh, immature uh, teenagers. teenagers. You yeah. feel what I'm saying? So we're walking down the street. So he's literally doing exactly what you guys are talking about, right? He's catcalling. He's making like like smart remarks, like damn, see, like damn, she got a like little shit like that. Oh, they knew so, you. Uh, yeah, they knew me okay. exactly. So I don't know if that changed the situation or not, but you know she's getting mad, like why aren't you saying something? I'm just like, well, that. Oh, I was gonna say like I'm telling her like yo like chill like this is just how guys like play around like you know don't take this serious or anything like that he means no harm so on and so forth right when we get back to the house it's a little bit of a heated argument because mm-hmm. again she feels though that i wasn't defending her honor so because i was emasculated and i felt so damn now i don't want her to look at me as less of a man i went back right out of outrage and out of reaction i went back knocked on the door mm-hmm. right he didn't want to come to the door and i literally broke the glass now my entire hand is busted up bleeding right mm-hmm. and again after i did that she definitely looked at me a little bit different but then the day I started to think like after that I'm like was that really worth it like my but entire after that, was, you like, was swollen. okay so after that you were still getting the yams though right huh after that before you before that I was still gonna get the yams it didn't change the fact that no. I think, no but I think that knowing them made it worse the fact that you know these dudes and you still not it's like they don't respect you me. yeah it's like now they don't respect you they saying damn see and you know this my girl they didn't know they that my girl they just see it don't matter that's a girl that's on your side no wait let me ask though how old were you i was probably like 16 17. it's completely different no in ninth grade boys do play around like that. that's what i'm saying maybe not in front of like but I'm, you don't say nothing back the fact that you don't you didn't say anything back to these guys that you knew my whole thing was it's all about energy for me I'm all the way down the street over here. You yelling from a window. What you, yo, it's like, it doesn't make sense for me. I'm not about to get out of character. Did you grow up in a, in a, um, what type of home did you grow up in? Like, was your I mom and dad? Okay, yeah. So I, I was about to say, I think that plays a huge role in um, some of your responses. And I think that this conversation was really good because it provided um, a different perspective, yeah. for sure. Especially in comparison to Destiny's and I's perspective, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times we end up agreeing on certain things, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was kind of good to have that male's presence. So, yeah. And also, you're our first male guest. I want to say, I was over here smiling wow. a lot because I'm just thinking about, like, how we all first got down here. And I can remember back to literally you saying, see, like, yo, my, my homegirl down there, y'all got to connect. Y'all got to talk to each other. You know her, and you sent me her Instagram, and I'm like, wow, yeah, look at that. us now. Oh, wow. Um, I never even thought about that. Mm-hmm. 
Christmas. It's well, thank you thank for you. bridging the gap. See, and um, I want you to. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, just thank you for bridging the gap. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, without that reinforcement, Destiny and I probably would have never really came together. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we knew each other prior. Yeah, we were, you know, chatting in the DM. But mm-hmm. women, you know, Especially we got egos, like I was to say. And women like us, we definitely need would needed that reinforcement to be like, all right, it's a safe ground. I got some, I can get some insight. I can put some information, like who's who and what's what. So I appreciate you for that because without that, we probably wouldn't even all be sitting here on this couch doing this podcast. Yeah. So. Nah, facts. And I also want to ask I am very proud of you. No, facts. I, Me and Destiny talk about this all the time. Yeah, appreciate that. I feel like I've, I've watched, I'm not saying like I'm, you know, but I feel like I've watched you grow. Like I've watched you develop through so many different phases of your life. Mm-hmm. And not only am I proud of where you are today, but I'm, I'm really excited to see where you go yeah i'm most excited for that because i feel like it's one thing when you get like the monetary game the you know you get an established business Mm -hmm. but for you to experience a paradigm shift that's a big deal i don't even think people know what a paradigm is like when that internal spiritual man and that mental factor collides Mm -hmm. and it's, it's like if you put that paradigm shift with everything else and every other area that you're doing well in like you you finna be a legend bro yeah and I'm just happy to be by your side to be a part of the journey. Definitely. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. We're going to be able to re- refer back to this episode in a, a year or Absolutely. so. Yes. And keep keep making a movie and doing your thing. Um, Th- thank you guys for giving me my flowers while I'm here. Yes. I definitely appreciate that. If you can give a word of advice to anyone, we usually end up with a word of advice to a sister. Mm-hmm. But if you can give a word of advice to a brother, a friend, anybody, what would it be? Uh, I think the best thing I can say is really just get started. It doesn't necessarily matter how you're going to get it done, but so long as you know why you have to get it done, then that's all that matters. A lot of people's dreams fell short, fall short, simply because it's undermined by a lot of other people's opinions. Mm-hmm. So um, you have to realize that opinions are like assholes. Everybody got one, right? So at the end of the day, um, once you make a decision and you have a thought in your mind, um, the thought that you uh, have, make sure that you actually manifest it into uh, a, um, you know, something in physical form, mm-hmm. right? So don't just give up on your thoughts simply because uh, somebody else doesn't necessarily agree with your narrative or your dreams. God didn't give them that vision. So that's the reason why that they don't necessarily believe in you. So yes. um, getting started is really uh, the quickest way for you to be able to see some type of uh, result in anything that you want to do. So that's the best advice I can give to anybody. I think that was really, really good. That was really good advice. Yes. Thank you. Destiny, what's yours? Um, My advice is to network. Mm. This advice is for myself as well. Network. Get out there. Get in the field. Meet new people. Don't be too prideful or just scared of expanding your horizons and growing your, your network. I'm not saying be best friends with everybody you run into or, you know, be like how we are instantly, Mm -hmm. but definitely give, I feel like you could give everybody a chance. That's a fact. So yeah, just network, network, network. Yeah. Um, My word of advice would be, it's going to be for male or female today, because normally we do a sister, it's going to be have those uncomfortable conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to be transparent for a second. Like, you know, me and Destiny, we met almost two years ago, and we immediately kicked it off. And I feel like our friendship has grown so fast in such a short period of time. For us to introduce business on top of all of that has really made this dynamic really complex. But I feel like 
what's really going to keep us in the long haul of things is the fact that we're able to have those uncomfortable conversations. Mm -hmm. So my advice tonight would be to just really have those uncomfortable conversations. Don't overthink it because nine times out of ten when you do initiate those conversations, you'd be like, oh, it really wasn't that bad or, oh, they didn't respond or react the way that I anticipated. So that's fine. Any last remarks you want to share, Simone? Um, yeah, I'm going to leave off on this. I know I said I was going to leave off on what I uh, just mentioned earlier, but I think this is going to definitely make things a little bit more uh, uh, sweet, right to the point. And it's a great message. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I want everybody that watches this uh, to realize that money isn't really as important as we think it is. Right? At the end of the day, people matter. Uh, making money is a social activity, and your true value in life is solely based upon how valuable you are to other people. Right? So be the change that you want to see ultimately that's, that's good oh my goodness it's like you just be growing and changing i know like i would have never it's so crazy because when we had the idea for the podcast i never would have thought you got on with this like this whole new yeah like, i'm so happy though i love it yeah well, well it's a part of evolving thank you so to wrap it up guys um you know you gotta go to dear sister let's talk.com and get your merchandise i got mine uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. And don't forget to use promo code DSPOD for 15% off. Yep. And if you're listening to this on any of your favorite Audible platforms, don't forget to download and save our podcast. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, please don't forget to comment, share, like, and subscribe. And also to add on our Audible platforms, give us a rating. Give us a star rating and also give us a comment let us know what y'all think what do y'all want what do y'all want to hear and again thank you all for watching thank you c for being here thank you bye thank you so much for tuning into our podcast let's talk sis with des and sa stay connected by following us on all of your favorite social media platforms and don't forget use hashtag dear sister let's talk to find us Wait, before you go, head over to our website or our Instagram and join our interactive community for a daily dose of sisterhood where like-minded women fellowship, encourage, and create a safe space amongst one another. See you inside, sis. Toodles. Bye.